Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Ryan Wilson, and today we are joined by Eric Galco, Director of Football Operations and Player Personnel for the Shrine Bowl. So, look, I want to get Eric on the show because the NFL preseason is winding down, just days away from the start of the college football season, and really it is never too early to start talking about next year's draft class. And by the way, the 99th annual East-West Shrine Bowl will take place February 1st, 2024 in Frisco, Texas. But I want to talk about last year's Shrine Bowl, Eric, if we could. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for joining us, man. It's good to see you again. You guys produced some some dudes out of that draft, out of that Shrine Bowl roster alumni group. There were 45 guys drafted. Some guy named Zay Flowers was first a first round pick. Uh, he balled out on Monday night, preseason week two against the Commanders, two catches, 37 yards, a, a touchdown, sort of flashed some of the things we saw him do at Boston College and in some practices at the Shrine Bowl. Seven top 100 picks. And yeah. If you've been listening to the podcast that uh, that Rick Rick and I do, I've been fawning over Dorian Thompson Robson and Aiden O'Connell's preseason because they've been absolutely balling out. Two other Shrine Bowl alums who had great Shrine Bowls and ended up getting drafted, and um, it was a, a pretty stellar group of guys. So let's let's sort of start there. And and yeah. I know you're hardcore about your job because you just got married, you just got back from your honeymoon. Me, you, and Devo been talking up Lake Como, but uh, you, you're back in the mix now. I'm back in the mix, home away from home in Lake Como, but uh, but it's good. It was a good, it was a good recharge, and it's. I think this year's draft class coming up is going to be one of the deepest. But last year, um, the talent we had at quarterback at the Shrine Bowl, Zay Flowers. <clears throat> year before that, we had Isaiah Pacheco. So I'm very proud of the fact that even some of these guys went day three in the draft. There's still guys that have produced at a high level, Pacheco and Brock Purdy a year ago, um, and then this past draft class, guys like Dorian, Aiden O'Connell, and many, many more. Yeah, all right. So let's get into the Shrine Bowl 1000, which came out yeah. uh, in mid-July. It's sort of a, a list of who's who who have an it's opportunity to play it. A big <laughs> list of who's who. And it's pretty impressive because, you know, I'm one dude and I try to watch around 350, 400 guys before every draft. But the timing is interesting because it came out July 17th. It's a thousand players uh, of draft eligible guys who have an opportunity, have good seasons, find their way to the Shrine Bowl uh, next uh, early next year. How do you put this thing together? Logistically, how does it work? Because the timing uh, for the draft, everyone knows how that works. And, and the end of, at the beginning of May, you can take two weeks off. It feels like you guys are just getting fired up. And also worth noting for people who are listening or watching, this is basically like a, an NFL scouting department. You have scouts, you have meetings, you have big boards, and you have to sort through all the logistics, and you're sort of the, the GM of this operation. Is that a good way to look at it? It is. And it's a big team. Um, I'm someone who defers a lot. I tell people all the time, like I'm a cross checker slash like um, devil's advocate. I don't watch as much film as some of my staff does too. Cause I trust that staff. We've got former NFL executives on our advisory team. We've got great young scouts. We've got a good mix of guys that have experience. So it's a really good scouting process. And that's Rumble 1000. It kind of came up. Um, it's a lot of players. I, I totally acknowledge that. Right. And it's, it's, it came up because we were saying, Hey, I, as a, as a director, need to know when I turn on Iowa, Iowa State, who should I be looking at? And this list serves for that. So I hope people that look at the Shrine Bowl 1000, especially as the season starts up, is going to say, all right, USC, San Jose State. Let me just go to the Shrine Bowl 1000, look at these teams. And these are the guys that have a chance to be NFL players. And the 1000 number is a nice round number. It's also about 
uh, how many players from the senior class are drafted, PFAs, minicamp, or workouts before the season starts. So it's not a totally random number. Um, it's about a hundred, it's about a thousand, eleven hundred players overall from the draft class get a chance in in training camp and minicamp, and a hundred of those are juniors and a thousand are seniors. So it has some rationale behind it too, and I hope people can kind of use it as a way to, hey, when you're watching these games, these are the guys that you care about. The other guys you can kind of maybe not expect too much from them too much. And I'll be honest, as someone as a member of the media, I use the list as well for the, that exact reason. If you're watching awesome. uh, uh, a random uh, game on on Friday night at 10 p.m. and you're like, all right, who should I be focusing on? If you don't have any vested interest in the game, that, that's a great yeah. starting point. So I appreciate it for that reason. And it's funny you mentioned Brock Purdy and Isaiah Pacheco, and I want to talk more about them in a moment. But uh, the overall point that I was I was thinking about as you were talking is, is that you talk about a thousand players. One was Mr. Irrelevant. The other was a seventh round pick. And if we had a redraft, those guys are, are top 50 picks and, and one probably right. goes in the first round. So a thousand sounds about right. It may sound crazy and daunting uh, as we head into the, the college and NFL football seasons. But at the end of the day, it'll be a surprise looking back at some of the players that end up getting drafted off this list. When at the moment and in, in the moment, we thought very little of them as potential top 255 or whatever. 100%. And that, my favorite part about this job is working with players directly. I say that all the time, and it's, it's the truth. And, and seeing guys like Brock and really overcoming is probably a, a generous term, but he kind of got forgotten about as a yeah. four-year college starter who was really efficient. And I'm not, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm, I wasn't sure he was going to be this good. I just tell people all the time that, hey, I got a chance to meet Brock and be around him. I knew he was going to be an NFL player for five, six, seven years, a decade. I don't know if he's going to be a starter in the NFC Championship game as a rookie. I didn't know if I saw that one right away, but I did see a guy that can last a lot of the two. I think that's one of the cool parts about this job is talking to these players. I won't talk to a thousand players, but I'll get to three, four, five hundred by the time the season's over with and kind of helping NFL teams wade through these thousand players or more to kind of find the best 255 and the best seven to 12 for their draft classes. Yeah. I mean, you told me we were talking at the combine and you said Luke Schoonmaker is going to get drafted high. And yeah. he wasn't on a lot of people's radar media wise at the time. And I think he's battling an injury uh, now yeah. in the preseason, but he's been, he's been flashing at, at practice for the Cowboys. And um, you know what you're talking about. That's my point. You, you, you have, <laughs> you have insights to these guys because to, you know, and I want this sort of leads to my next question. Um, you talk to a lot of people, a lot of your time is spent, I would imagine on the phone oh, yeah. or face to face and meetings yeah. and stuff. And so if you had to divvy up your time and it probably varies on the time of year, how much of it is spent talking to the, the college coaches and players to uh, NFL personnel who are interested in, in the guys you're going to bring into to the Shrine Bowl game agents? Uh, how, how does that break down in terms of uh, your day to day and probably your month to month? You know, it's probably, you know, there's there's different pockets of the year. I try to watch a couple players or a, a game in the morning during the season um, and then one more at night if I can. But between those hours of 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., it's it's largely on the phone. And a lot of it is information gathering along a lot of it too. And I view myself in this job is I, I'm able to have, I'm at like a way station of information because I'm talking to players, colleges, agents, NFL teams, and I want to keep that stuff confidential, but I also want to share the good Intel with people that need to hear it. Hey, this player has this injury going on. Hey, this player is a great kid. Hey, you know, this guy might come out for the draft and might stay in school. And a lot of my time is sharing information because that's kind of my, I view my job. And I tell those people at the Shrine Bowl all the time, you know, these guys, this is their doorway to the NFL, right? They're going to, Aiden O'Connell's wearing a Purdue helmet, but wearing a Shrine Bowl jersey and going to the NFL next. And I think that's what I view my job as, hey, I'm, I'm here to help NFL teams, agents, players, colleges directly across the, the season, the preseason, after the season, up in the little draft. And I'm having calls, you know, I've got three or four calls this week before the season starts with college directors of scouting. And I'll talk to teams 
the week of the NFL draft as like, hey, are we sure this guy is healthy, whatever else either. So it's, it's kind of a constant process all year long. And um, I'm, I'm happy and proud to kind of be a part of the draft process in that way. Yeah. And you seem like you really love it. Like you seem like yeah. you really embrace it. And, and um, you know, football, man, it's football. It's great. It is. At the end of the day, <laughs> it's football. It could be a lot like you're a, it's funny. Look, you're a lawyer by trade. I know a lot of lawyers that don't do lawyer, lawyer stuff day to day. They do other things yeah. that they seem to enjoy more than, than being attorneys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, I, I always kind of appreciate that. And our staff appreciates that is that, Hey, this is in the day we're, we're debating who's going to be in the next Brock Purdy, Aiden O'Connell. It's a fun job to have too, but I, I'm passionate about it. I won't be in this job forever, but while I'm in this job, I get a chance to help a lot of people and, um, give some insights to players that really need it. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the players that, that graduated from the, the 2023 Shrine Bowl class. And yeah. I think we have to start with Zay Flowers because yeah. he is absolutely special. We talked to him at the Combine, and he's a great dude, comes from a, a, a solid background. He stayed at BC. He could have left for NIL money. And I think a lot of teams appreciated that about him. I know that Spielman talks about that a lot, that the fact that he stuck with that team that honestly wasn't very good. He could have gone somewhere else and, and gotten more money and played on a better football team. And he was the offense. And then yeah. uh, we saw glimpses of how good he can be in training camp and, and the preseason games. What did he bring to Shrine Bowl and, and how quickly and obvious was it that he was different than everyone else? <laughs> really? I mean, I, I've, I've liked him for two years on film and liked in a way that, Hey, this guy is a first round pick probably, but getting a chance to talk with him. And I really started talking with him in the preseason, but then really around like October when he was kind of debating which all-star game, if an all-star game, right. And kind of sharing some information and kind of giving this information I had too. And I got a chance to see how focused he was. And it's funny. I, I know it's a weird comparison, but it's similar to guys like Brock Purdy, Aiden O'Connor, like guys that make it and are really good. They kind of have this common thread of this renowned self-confidence, but also able to kind of like take in information and not arrogance. And that's really what Zay has. Zay has a great family. He, he's, he's a leader in his family. He's a leader at BC. Players, coaches, training staff all love Zay as a person, but also know how hard he works. And I told NFL teams during the draft process and even after the draft too, I said, hey, he's going to be one of the best players in this draft. I'm like, I know I'm biased. I know I'm biased, so I, I appreciate that. But we're going to look back in just two or three years and be like, he probably should have been a top 10 pick. He was close to being a top 15, 16 pick yeah. um, in the draft, and, and there was really in play there. But um, I, and the fact that he he wasn't the first receiver taken, no offense to the other guys, I think we're going to look back and be like, wow, this guy can be special. And we'll see it as a rookie. People I talked to in Baltimore, they're already seeing it. They're already saying, hey, we got to change our offense for this rookie who got here three months ago because he's that talented. So I think we're going to look back and say he's talent level and impact level. He's going to be Antonio Brown with such a different personality off the field in a way that he could be one of the truly, I think he's one of the faces of the NFL in the next couple of years. That's how special I think he is off the field, too. I'm glad you mentioned Antonio Brown because Spielman kills me for my comps. And, and I saw a lot of Antonio Brown and yeah. his after the ball movements and say flowers. So that, that makes me feel good. Yeah. Uh, just personally, <laughs> yeah. uh, you talked about confidence and it's funny you say that because when, when I want to talk about these two, these next two players, quarterbacks, th physically, they're completely different. Like they were built in different labs, but it feels like above the neck. They're very similar to Dorian Thompson Robinson, who was drafted out of UCLA to the Browns. And of course, Aiden O'Connell who came out of Purdue and, and went to the Raiders and watching, I've watched every snap they've taken this preseason and, I liked Aiden O'Connell coming out, but I understood that the the lack of mobility was going to be a concern for some teams. He's he's traditional in the sense that he's a pocket passer. During Thompson Robinson, I think he's made huge strides in terms of his accuracy, in terms of decision making. And one of the things that Spielman's talked about on the podcast is that two of the things that these guys have in common is that they're obviously incredibly smart, and incredibly driven, but they played a ton of football, and that feels like it's probably helped them early on in their process. I mean, Dorian, forty eight career starts. In the Pac-12, RIP Pac-12, but in the Pac-12, and it's 
it shows on film because he's able to improvise. And again, I, I Dorian didn't love it, but I kind of compared him early on in the process to Brock Purdy for that reason. Hey, 48 career starts, you can improvise. You're not thrown off balance by a gap pressure or complex things after the snap. And Dorian, even more so than Brock, can really improvise with athleticism and kind of finish the runner. I think he had 12 rushing touchdowns his, his last year at UCLA. And that Chip Kelly offense is a complex. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's quite an NFL offense, but it's pretty darn close for a college offense that goes. So I always felt the floor was really, really high for Dorian. And I think you saw the plays that he made in big games at UCLA across his entire career. And I'm not surprised making those big plays in, in Cleveland. And, you know, today's NFL, and this goes for Dor or for Aiden O'Connell as well, about 60 throws or 60% of your throws every game are, should be pretty easy, right? RPOs, quick hitches, quick slants, right? They should be pretty easy. You need those guys who can make those other 30% of throws that are more challenging downfield, which Aiden and Dorian have both made. And those 10% of throws, which are, hey, the play's ruined, right? Go, don't lose five yards. Don't lose seven yards. Don't take a sack. Don't throw an interception. And both those guys have done this offseason too. So Dorian has that 48 career starts. And Aiden is the plucky former walk-on who's earned everything at Purdue. And again, Aiden is confident in a different way than Dorian, but both very confident. I, I, I didn't get a chance to, to you know, meet Tom Brady as a rookie at Michigan and the NFL, but people have made those comparisons, including people like Jeff Christensen, who's his quarterback coach, who mm. works with Pat Mahomes as well. And he told me for two, three years, hey, this this guy is like, this Aiden O'Connell is going to be special. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. We thought he was one of the best quarterbacks in last year's draft. And I think by week, you know, eight, nine, 10, if he's not already starting, it's going to be a real challenge there in Las Vegas. Oh my gosh. So injuries aside, you think he might actually be the starter because I was going to say they should both be quarterback two right now, but you're willing to take it a step further. Yeah. I think I, injuries are tough. I'm not going to ever expect injuries either, but I, I think Aiden and Dorian have done enough that if there is an injury or is a lingering problem, the team's not going to be worried about pulling the trigger. Right. I think San Fran last year was the same way. Once yeah. Brock was in, they, people there told me like, Hey, we were obviously a little worried. He's a seventh round rookie who hasn't played yet, but we felt okay based off camp. And I think when you're a team that kind of has that, if an injury happens and this guy steps up, you're not going to be surprised. I think for Cleveland and Las Vegas, they both feel that, hey, if things go right this year, we got two NFL quarterbacks that one conceptive of an injury. If things go wrong this year, we're going to give these guys a shot to, to be the franchise quarterback in the future. It's been a lot of fun watching uh, both these players in the preseason. I watched O'Connell last year in person against Syracuse, and he is there are a few yeah. people tougher than Aiden O'Connell. Um, like I said, team. he's not going to win a foot race necessarily, but you could hit him <laughs> in the mouth and he's going to pop right back up and, and go make the <laughs> yep. play. Uh, and um, let me ask you this, because you've seen a ton of guys come through the Shrine Bowl through the, the years that you've been there. And it feels like as I watch these guys in the preseason, these quarterbacks, especially, I feel like sometimes the evaluators, we, we're overthinking the quarterback position. Uh, we fall in love with measurables. I get it. We, we want everyone to look like Anthony Richardson. Uh, but sometimes players come in different packages and, and they're as good and sometimes better. Uh, is that something that you... Do you guys sort of self-scout that? Do you go back and look oh, yeah. at what you hit and miss? And, and what, what are some of the things you've found out about, about some of the players? In a big way. I mean, we self-scout all the time. I'm super hard on myself and our staff constantly, probably too much, to be honest. Um, but for quarterbacks especially, and this kind of goes back to my XFL days. I was a director of player personnel for the XFL League back in 2018 through 2020. And one of my core philosophies in kind of building the league from a roster standpoint was, hey, Offensive line play in the NFL is not great. It's not going to be great for us really either. Right. We got to find quarterbacks who not necessarily great athletes because that's that kind of dictates your whole offense, but they got to improvise. That's why we signed guys like PJ Walker and Taylor Heineke, um, even Matt McGloin, who didn't have you know the best of XFL careers, but kind of filled that same role as well. So that's been a key part for me is that ability to improvise because that's the kind of stuff that as a quarterback, 
you have to make those plays. The offense can be blamed for a lot of stuff, but you have to make those plays. And again, improvising could be Aiden O'Connell, the way Tom Brady did it, right? Stepping laterally and making a throw off balance. It could be Dorian, um, you know, working out in space and getting out to the pocket and breaking free. So for us, that's our, that's my number one trait looking at quarterbacks. And there were top quarterbacks in this year's draft that didn't have that trait that went first, second round, right? And there were guys in the first round and later in the draft that had that trait. And I think for me, one of my big philosophies now after doing this job is it's really hard to be a really good scout and get everything right. But if you can say, you know what, this guy, like Brock Purdy, he's going to be an NFL player. I don't know what, we'll let him figure that out. But find those high floor guys. That's what I've kind of taken away from this job. And guys like that can improvise a quarterback and can make plays and are smart and confident and self-confident and can adapt and all those things. Like those are the kind of guys that will make it. And if they end up being stars like Brock Purdy, I'll take it. But at the very least, I knew Brock Purdy was going to be an NFL high floor guy. So my advice to people scouting out there, because NFL teams like Kyle Shanahan are starting to see it. Maybe we don't need guys like Trey Lance. We just need guys to kind of manage the offense and not make mistakes on third and short and, and second and long. That's what guys at, at quarterback are doing well now in the NFL. Yeah, Brock Purdy got his first action in week two of the preseason after being out since uh, the playoff game when he got injured against the Eagles. And he looked pretty good, which it's – and at the end of the day, if you're sort of playing within Kyle Shanahan's offense, that feels like that's a good start, not trying to do too <laughs> yeah. much. And, and his vision felt like it was a lot better than Trey Lance. But this isn't about Trey Lance. I want to talk a little bit about Brock Purdy. Yeah. Because it felt like if his career, college career, ended after the 2021 season, he'd have been a top 100 pick. And then he came back, and at times it felt like he was trying to do too much, and that that spiraled uh, on a uh, Iowa State team that wasn't very good at times. And I, I think one of the other takeaways when we talk about sort of self-evaluation is that if he's done it before, he can probably do it again, but it's yeah. what have you done for me lately? So that affects why you end up being Mr. Irrelevant. Um, but in terms of another player from the 2022 Shrine Bowl class, Isaiah Pacheco, um, I remember watching him on tape at Rutgers and thinking, God, he looks really small, but he's not small. He's thick. No. Yeah. And how is he in, I would imagine part of that's a function of playing on a Rutgers team that wasn't very good. How does he fall to the seventh round? It was crazy. And that's one that I'll take credit <laughs> for because I, I, again, looking for high floor players, Hey, what can this player do in the NFL tomorrow that, you know, maybe only 10 other guys can, and no one in the NFL runs harder, maybe as hard, but no one has harder than Isaiah Pacheco did. Yeah. Rutgers all the time as well, too. He did it at the Shrine Bowl on special teams. I tell him to calm down a little bit. And I think that's where I was always shocked that, Hey, you know, maybe he can't be an NFL level pass catcher or a pass blocker. He's getting better at both those things this off season, but like this guy's going to, you're going to want this guy for seven carries a game minimum. And I know running backs are devalued and all of that, but he's such a, positive for, for someone who's so tough and so physical he's such a goofy funny relaxed person that he's gonna fit in a locker room but again that that ability to be a hard hard-nosed runner at a level that i think he was the best in that year's draft class probably the best in the last two years that i've been around in terms of like just running with authority um it was shocking and and obviously regrettable for a lot of nfl teams and the chiefs got their number one running back maybe based on how he progresses in the third down stuff in the seventh round of the draft one of the last picks in the draft too right and I, I don't want to make this a crap on first round picks conversation, yeah. but you could sort of draw some parallels between Purdy and Trey Lance and Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde, Clyde Allaire. Like uh, I would imagine both organizations regret the first round pick on some level. Um, it happens. I get it, but you hit a home run with the seventh round pick as a makeup. So just tell your fan base to switch the picks in your mind. And, and it, yeah. it is, you know, it, it all works out. Um, something else I want to I want to touch on, and I, I thought this was pretty interesting because I think it certainly benefited the teams that were able to take part in it. But last year, the the Falcons and the Patriots were the coaching staffs uh, at the Shrine Bowl, and uh, I was looking up quotes. 
I saw. So the Patriots took uh, uh, Mafi, the the guard at UCLA. He's an absolute yep. huge human being and, and an yes. earth mover. And then they also got Demario Douglas, a wide receiver out of Liberty, uh, who's uh, the exact opposite physically. But <laughs> I don't think he's played a lot in preseason, and that's because the Patriots have really high hopes for him. Is what I understand. I get yeah. that. Um, but I was reading through some of the quotes from um, Matt Groh, who, who's the the personnel guy over in, in New England. He said one of the benefits for them, number one, they had identified uh, Mafi and Douglas as guys they wanted to work with before they got to the Shrine Bowl. And number two, Troy Brown got to work with Demario Douglas in person, which is something you can't get at necessarily every All-Star game you attend. So how important is that for both the, the, the NFL teams, but also the players who have this opportunity to work with these NFL staffs? Yeah, it was awesome. I think a lot of our guys got a chance to, you know, even guys like Dorian, who were on the Patriots staff as well, you got a chance to crash course. This is how complex NFL offenses are. I right? got a chance to, to meet Bill O'Brien and work with him all week long and get a chance to learn NFL offenses are. And it's scary for players. And I think that's one of the unique parts about the all-star game world is, again, it's their first foray into the NFL. So they get kind of a off the field and off the practice facility, right? They get a crash course on how to do that. And I think that's what it's really beneficial for a lot of these players to see it. It's also, you know, sometimes not beneficial. Some guys can handle that. NFL teams can see it. But for Pop, I mean, he fit in right away. Obviously, being a slot guy, a mobile guy, I think Troy um, kind of took a liking to that kind of guy as well, too. But but Pop is going to be, I, I, you know, I did some quotes after the, after the draft from some Patriots writers, and I called him offensive Marcus Jones. And I think that's kind of Love what it. his destiny is going to be, where he's – He's going to get on the field as a rookie. And and there's sometimes, you know, usually when when teams go the draft process, especially in the mid part of day three and the end there, everything at that point is just gravy. Hey, if we hit on one of these guys as a rookie, we're we're set. We crushed it. And it's very rare, and Purdy and Pacheco were like this, where you kind of had a plan for your room. And this sixth round pick changes that plan. I think Pop has done that because they have a really deep receiver room, but Pop is gonna make the roster, of course but also going to have a role maybe as early as week one because of how dynamic he is. So I think they got, and, and Antonio Mafi is challenging for a starting job right now as a fifth round rookie. Um, so I think both those guys, they hit on, I'm very thankful I got a chance to meet those guys because both Mafi, who's a little quieter, pops a little funnier and a bigger personality. Both those guys are, are high character guys that again, high floor, they're going to play in the NFL for six, seven years at least. And the Patriots get a chance to see those guys up close. Right. And it's a sort of an introductory yeah, opportunity for for both sides to to sort of figure these things out, which makes the 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 All Star games even more interesting for the, for that reason. All right, let's look ahead to the the Shrine Bowl one thousand, and um, in particular the quarterbacks, because that's what people focus on this time of year. Whether you're NFL team that you're a fan of, their quarterback situation is murky, or, or whether you just love college football and, and you, you want to see how that plays itself out. So some of the names that uh, Devo put together off the Shrine uh, Shrine Bowl one thousand quarterback wise that, that are interesting to me. Uh, Bo Nix had a fantastic year last year after what happened at Auburn. And a lot, when I talked to some people around the league, a lot of the Auburn stuff was Auburn-related, not Bo Nix-related. And that seemed to play itself out uh, last season. Um, Michael Penix, I love. Riley Leonard is a sleeper for me that that I have been talking up. And Spielman makes noises when I mention his name. And Spencer Rattler, who's who's sort of rediscovered himself after leaving Oklahoma, going to South Carolina. But a guy I want to start with, uh, Eric, is, is Joe Milton at Tennessee. Transferred from yep. Michigan. There are a few people on planet Earth with his physical skills. It's just a matter of putting it all together. What are you and your scouts sort of talking about with Joe Milton, where he is and where he needs to get in order to to be that sort of top flight NFL quarterback? Yeah, I mean, physically, it's funny. I was at Manning Passing Academy. Um, I was there a year ago and saw Anthony Richardson throw a 75-yard pass and do a backflip where the ball landed. <laughs> and 
I, I don't think that was a secret because Joe Milton, the same thing like four or five times. I think he showed people that were there <laughs> that, hey, this is th th this is what I got to do to be the fourth overall pick. I'll do it. And he's he's very similar physically um, to Anthony Richardson. Maybe a stronger arm, as crazy as that sounds. Sweet maybe mercy. A bit less <laughs> maybe a little bit less. I mean, Richardson was a 4-4 guy. And maybe Milton's a mid-4-4 guy. Um, yeah. And arm talent-wise, Milton's probably got a stronger arm. But I think, I, I think Joe has to... Overcome is not a, a lot. He get a, a great chance at Michigan to really show development. He's developed a lot since that time. But NFL teams just want to see the accuracy. They want to see it rain in. That's where Richardson had some games last year that he showed that he can be an accurate quarterback on the perimeter when he's off balance a little bit. And obviously the Colts are pretty bullish on that projection as well, too. But I think if Joe can show he can play within an offense and, and not make the big mistake and then really finish those downfield throws, especially those dig routes and inside breaking ones, that's kind of where he'll go from – a really intriguing guy to where I think he ends up going. I mean, he has, there's a great chance he's a top 10 pick. I mean, I know it's wow. crazy to some people, but he's, I, I was at Manning camp last year and I saw Richardson. I said, he's going to be a top 10 pick. And if I said that to end Richardson, I can't not say it for Joe Milton. He's also a great person. Yes, sir. No, sir. Big smile. Great with the kids. He was a star of the show there at Manning camp. And I think he'll be the star of the show in the sec, at least early on in the season. And we saw that offense with Hennon Hooker can be really successful. And I think yeah. it doesn't have to be Hennon Hooker level accurate. Hennon, Hennon had one of the best deep ball touches of a quarterback the last couple of years. That was his kind of superpower. That's different than Joe Milton. But we've seen that Tennessee offense be productive and successful. And I think if Joe can even have 90% of that, he's got, you know, two or three times the athletic and physical gifts that Hennon had that make he could definitely be a top 10 pick. So I'm not saying he will. He's got to prove it. But the way things went with Richardson last year, I think Milton's definitely on track to be a guy that's going to be challenging for one of the top quarterbacks in next year's draft. Wow. And by the way, in the list of Tennessee quarterbacks saying that Joe Milton is 10, 10 times more athletic than Hinton Hooker. It's not like Hinton Hooker's Peyton Manning, by the way. No. Yeah. He's incredibly athletic. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so that's a, that's a pretty bold statement. Uh, well, let me ask you this. I'll, I'll switch gears here. You're the passing Manning Academy, uh, Manning passing Academy. Any other quarterback on the Shrine Bowl 1000 that, that took your breath away? Not necessarily. Um, I think it's it was it's a deep class, and I don't think yeah. it's that every year. I'm looking at just in terms of seniors, and it's it's going to be near impossible. It's going to be a dark throw in terms of finding out who's <laughs> actually the right guys because you've got guys that Brock Purdy type idea like Devin Leary, Michael Pratt, Cam Rising, um, Will Rogers. You got the great athletes like Jane Daniels, Michael Penix, DJ Ungale at Oregon State is transferred there too. You've got the guys that have, you know, a lot of talent, Spencer Rattler, Joe Milton, Bo Nix, Jordan Travis, who's a gamer, a lot of other yeah. players as well, too. It's it's one of the deeper quarterback classes. And for me, talking with these guys and again, because of covid, a lot of these guys have been in school for five, six years. So they're adults. They're they're grown men ready to be NFL quarterbacks. So this is going to be this will be by far the toughest job the last two years that I've had and kind of evaluating who the top six, eight, 12 best quarterbacks in the draft are, because at least senior wise because of how deep it is because of COVID and transfers and all that stuff. So it's going to be a job I, I'm, I'm not excited for and picking who, who our quarterbacks are going to be because it's that talented this year for sure. Caleb Williams isn't eligible for the the, the All-Star Games just yet. But I think, yeah. I think a lot I would buy, would, he, he would be an invite, though. Spoiler alert. He would be an invite if he was eligible. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, I think a lot would have to happen for him not to be QB1. Are you willing to go that Are you Are you still willing to be patient on that? I think he'll be the first one of the first two quarterbacks drafted in this year's draft if he comes out for the draft. Okay. I think he'll be a top two pick if he's in the 2024 NFL draft class. Right. Okay. I know. Yeah. I, I, I'm a but little. He's special. He's special. I think there's he other stuff special. that teams have to work through. And Drake May also is 
is pretty special as well. But there's a chance that maybe Caleb wants to stay another year. Who knows? He, he may be a guy that, you know, whatever. But I think he, he's going to be a top two pick and maybe a top one pick in the draft whenever he does come out for the draft. Um, have you had a chance to see Riley Leonard yet? I have. Yeah, he was at Manning, Manning camp and, and watched him the last couple of years. He got a chance to see him live last year a couple of times and physically looks the part. <clears throat> He's got a lot of that Daniel Jones where like he's just operating that offense. It just looks like an NFL quarterback, not to quote Dave Gettleman, but it you know just looks like an NFL quarterback out there. And <clears throat> that offense is, is going to be productive this year. Um, it's it's a talented offensive line, which is important for a guy like Riley, who's more of a pocket guy who can maybe run a little bit. But I think he has a great chance to be, you know, rise up. I think we, we've got a top two quarterbacks. We've got guys like Joe Milton and Quinn Ewers and J.J. McCarthy will be in that mix as well, too. But I think he's going to be someone who will be maybe just behind that tier for right now and could definitely rise up a bit more with a great year. But NFL teams are, are excited on him, again, if he comes out for the draft this year. Yeah, I'm, I am I like him a lot, too. I was impressed when I watched him over the summer. Um, Spielman not quite as high as, as me, but that's all right. <laughs> Turns out Spielman's not right about everything. All right, um, just two two last questions, and they're easy ones. I'll get you out of here because I know you have things to do. Uh, do you have a favorite all-time Shrine Bowl alum? Debo put the list together for me, and I have two names that are sticking out and staring me in the face. Uh, I mean, Tom Brady's pretty good. Um, <laughs> Debo didn't but, put him on the list. Come on, Debo. <laughs> yeah. Um, Debo's an I'm Eagles fan to too. I'm trying to think back on my, I mean, I've got a chance to meet guys like Nate Burleson, um, who spoke with the players this past year and just him as a person is awesome too, but all time Gerald Ford or Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, do wait the Gerald Ford. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a, that's a fun fact. It's a fun fact. Only all U.S. president. Yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Okay. I got that part right. How'd I know that? All right. Both Michigan men. Um, I'm going to, yeah, that's right. I'm going to go with Steve Atwater. That's a good one. I love Steve Atwater growing up. Like I'm a little older than you. So he was like right in my wheelhouse of just destroying people when you were allowed to destroy people, uh, at safety position. I don't remember where Steve Atwater went to college though. Do you know that right off the top of your head? Oklahoma? No, maybe not. I'm terrible at that. Uh, the other, other question I had for you. Yeah. Uh, better honeymoon destination, Greece or, or Italy? Italy. Italy's the best. I like yeah. Greece a lot. We were in Santorini. Greece is awesome, but but Lake Como. We went to Capri as well too. Italy, Italy's a spot. I'll I'll be back whenever I can have the time again to cut out. Next time I get on a honeymoon, if that happens again, I'll be going to Italy as well too. So <laughs> <laughs> we will we will play this part for your wife. By the way, Debo notes that at uh, Water went to Arkansas. Ar- I was close. And you may be living in Arkansas after your, your wife hears the part. Uh, <laughs> <next> time. <laughs> oh man, Eric. Thanks so much for joining us, man. I know you're busy. I know you're a little under the weather. This has been awesome. So uh, I appreciate it. Taking a little time to talk to Shrine Bowl. I'm excited for the season to start. I'm excited for the Shrine, uh, Shrine Bowl 1000 uh, list to consult as we get through this thing. And uh, remember, 99th Annual East-West Shrine Bowl will take place Thursday, February 1st, 2024 in Frisco, Texas at the Ford Center at the Star, the worldwide headquarters and training for the Dallas Cowboys. Game will be on the NFL Network, so if you're into planning well in advance, make a yeah. note. And uh, Eric, thanks again, brother. Good talking to you, man. Appreciate it, buddy.